0: Say someone hasn't had a bathroom light for six months and you install it. The level of sheer unbridled joy that they don't have to pee in the dark anymore.
1: (laughs) Hello, everyone. And first of all, dear listeners, I need to say sorry for releasing this episode a day later than I promised, but there is a reason for it. Namely that I got a flu shot, which unexpectedly knocked me out for a whole day. I hope this means no flu ever again. Another virus that's been consuming Germany lately, together with the coronavirus, of course, is that of home improvement. All those people stuck at home now want to make their homes better, hang up those lamps and mirrors and pictures. And for my guest, this is great news, because Charlie runs a home improvement company. It's called Driller Queens, and she started it when her graphic design job didn't pay well enough. As the name suggests, the company is made up mainly of women, which makes them stand out quite a bit in this very much male-dominated profession. So let's jump right in. And as always, I've linked my guest Instagram in the description. So if you want to see what she does, click away. Did you always do home improvements?
0: I'd love to tell you that I kind of woke up one day and had this fantastic idea and wanted to launch this company. But I, I genuinely started it by mistake. Um, I've learned the word for that now. Apparently, it's an accidental entrepreneur, which sounds a lot better than I started it by mistake. Um, I'm trying to get better at press. <laughs> my, I grew up in an environment where my mum was always this... She was always fixing things, making things, and it just kind of... It meant a lot to grow up in like a positive environment where it wasn't, oh, go and ask your dad to do that or get a man in to do this. Um, but a lot of it I've learned just through moving house a lot and doing a lot of the work myself and then sometimes I teach myself skills off YouTube or I research and yeah, it's just kind of accumulation of things really. I'm not like professionally trained Um, but then I don't think many people are that move into this industry. So I did a bit of a career 180. um, So I'm... Trained like I studied to be a graphic designer, um, and I worked as a graphic designer, like a brand designer to be specific, for oh god, like over ten years, um, and that's what I was doing in Berlin before I started Jelly Queens. Uh, working in startups, designing things. (laughs) So quite a career change. (laughs) A lot of my customers, like they do feel a lot kind of safer when, especially if you're hanging artwork or something that requires a bit of an eye for it. They're like, oh, I used to be a designer. Oh, okay. And they kind of defer to you a little bit. Like A lot of my team come from creative backgrounds. So it's kind of, there's a bit of a crossover in the sense that you need to be able to problem solve a lot. um, And you need to have a bit of a creative eye. But yeah, from the physical side of things, you're completely right. It could not be further removed.
1: But you were doing a lot of the stuff on your own because you were moving. So you were building furniture, um, painting walls. Yeah, um,
0: I had a a period in the UK where I did something called property guardianship, which is kind of like legal squatting. Um, So you live in buildings um, to kind of protect them from people like breaking into them or whatnot. So I lived in a school, um, an old factory, one of my friends lived in a bank um, and these were just empty buildings. So you had to build an entire kitchen in an old office room. Um, you And you really got good at being kind of crafty about how you could put stuff together. I kind of loved it. It was incredibly stressful, but it was really fun.
1: I can imagine if you were living in an old school, like a classroom is the size of a whole flat
0: usually. Exactly. I was living in the old art block um, of a uh, school. I learned a lot of stuff very quickly. And it gave me a lot more confidence also living in those buildings, because a lot of them were going to be demolished at some point anyway. It was just like a huge practice ground. Um, it didn't matter if you fucked something, if you made something wrong, <laughs> because it was fine. The building was going to get demolished in six months.
1: I guess it's a way to stop turning it into like a drug den or illegal drug farm.
0: It's cheaper and safer than having security and cameras and things like this. Um, and it did provide a lot of people with somewhere to live. Um, and a lot of these buildings were beautiful as well, like proper old Victorian buildings, they were stunning.
1: It's a pity if they were gonna demolish them. I mean, usually stuff like this is kept safe, isn't it?
0: Yeah, one of one of them is still standing. Um, the other two have definitely been demolished since I've left. One of them is still there.
1: <laughs> the really, really nice one. Beautiful Victorian things are valuable, right? They usually try to renovate them. You're not always in the
0: UK. They're not like Denkwell, they're not listed, so they're just like let's build a new office block. Sometimes,
1: like it's beautiful, but once you start doing something with it, you're like, oh my god, why did I ever get into
0: this? Oh my god, Alba. Um, I always say that like walls are made of dust and secrets. That it's insane. Like I've done jobs for customers before where we're putting up like a really long shelf. And every hole that we drill in the wall, there's different color dust. This is probably stone, this is the mortar, this is something else. This is where someone bricked up a door when your apartment got turned into three from one. Like, this is a mystery. <laughs> this is where the ghosts live. <laughs> it's, it's just insane.
1: We have a similar situation. I live with my boyfriend in a, our building. It's not even that old, it's 11, uh, 1911. And the walls here are so weird. Like, he drilled a couple of holes in there to hang some uh, shelves. And the outside layer is super crumbly, it's literally like cookie.
0: Uh, the plaster used to be made with a lot of sand. That's why it's so crumbly. And then the inside, you've got the original stonework, which is uh, solid as hell. Um, so, yeah, we, run, um, we run DIY workshops teaching people how to use drills. And this is the question we get asked all the time. People ask, well, I was drilling into my wall and it went in by about maybe like an inch, uh, and then it stopped. And I was like, yeah, that's cause, usually because your drill is shit and the wall is he- harder than hell. Quite a challenge, like, especially um, putting like curtains in because you've got like, the lintels over the windows. Um, and But we, we have an assortment of absolutely massive drills. So,
1: <laughs> so it must be exciting doing renovations in uh, people's houses, isn't it?
0: I have a job, which essentially I'm encouraged to be nosy. Like it's wonderful. And it's just, you get so many good ideas off people like, by seeing different houses. Um, I love it when people are doing things like Ikea hacks and things like using things in ways that we'd never thought they would. Um, and also it's just really, yeah, I am just nosy. I just love looking into people's houses. (laughs)
1: Um, so you're in Berlin and you had your career in graphic design here. How come you started doing renovations? It is quite a jump. Um, so I was working in this startup and, um,
0: like most women in creative industries, well, most women in any industry, um, the pay isn't great. I It got to a point where it was pure, originally it was purely monetary. It was just before Christmas and I needed a way to pay my rent. So I thought, OK, what skills do I have? Um, I used to have a small baking business in the UK, um, but it's like the red tape to do that in Germany is insane. Um, so I thought, OK, I can fix things. Um, let's Let's try that. Let's give it a shot. So originally it was called Girl with a Drill. And it was quite literally just me running around Berlin with a drill. (laughs) Great fun. But, oh my God, my first job, I was terrified, absolutely terrified. Um, Because I'd done this for friends and for family and for myself, but I'd never had someone pay me to do this. Luckily, my first ever customer was this absolute delight. Oh my God, she was amazing. Um, So it kind of like built me up and made me so I felt I could conquer the rest of it a bit. And then... It did quite well, better than I expected, I, but I was still working my day job, um, my job as a designer, and then about a year later, I got um, headhunted to a new design job, and I was like, yay, decent salary, woo, all the normal things, um, so I actually put the business on hold for six months, um, and then I got fired from that job, So, and it kind of threw me so far out of my comfort zone that I thought, well, okay, sorry. let's just try it. Let's just try and see if we can make this work.
1: So you just needed to do something over the day, because I guess when you're fired, you suddenly have those empty days.
0: I always feel I need to be doing something. Um, I need to be busy. I need to have like a full calendar almost. And I felt, I mean, I was claiming Lawson Lawsengeld, which I was incredibly grateful for. Um, but then I was thinking, well, hang on, I've got this business. It was, I'd started it before. It was tiny, this little side hustle and it was doing all right. So, okay, let's try it because I'm never going to be in a position again where I can financially afford to take this risk.
1: And then later you found other women who wanted to work with it. Did you think that played a role that it's a women's only uh, collective?
0: It's not actually a women's only collective. Um, so it used to be, um, uh, at the moment. So it was women, trans, and non-binary, but we are now hiring everybody on our team. Um, It's still very much female founded, owned, operated. That is a big thing. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There is an element of kind of the gimmick behind it that has helped with the initial marketing a little bit. We had to rehire our entire team um, in May, June, and we were hiring for everybody, uh, regardless of gender. So yeah, we just haven't kind of officially announced that as such because we're still very good at what we do and we provide a wonderful service. I don't think it should make any difference what the gender of my team is, if that makes sense. The bar in the industry is so low, so low. And like you were saying, it's incredibly male dominated. Um, and I personally think that's pretty archaic. Um, if you think about it like the concept of letting someone into your home that you don't know with large heavy tools that make a lot of noise and a lot of mess and you probably don't 100% understand what's going on it's incredibly aggressive and overwhelming so most of the i think the crux of everything boils down to trust and communication if you can't explain to someone and communicate what you're doing in a way that they still feel like they're in charge of their own space you failed.
1: When there were some workers coming to do some repairs here in Germany, some of them were completely fine, but sometimes I ask my German boyfriend to stay and talk with them because they just ignore me. They like, they see that I'm a young woman and I speak with an accent and my German isn't perfect, so they just treat me like a five-year-old and I'm like, I'm paying you. The stories that I hear of our
0: customers, it just, it makes my blood boil. Like you were saying, it's often it's single women, a lot of single mothers, um, and these are these are strong women. like they know their shit. And I've had customers say, yeah, people hand handworkers have come around and said, Oh, where's your husband? And they've gone, Oh no, 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 I'm not married. It's thinking it was just like a miscommunication. and they're like, well, who sh- who should I speak to then? And these are women that own their own houses for God's sake, like who run businesses, They're founders, they're strong women. It, oh, it makes me so angry. A lot of our customers are female. It's something that I definitely would like to shift our demographic a bit to not be just about women.
1: I think you could uh, work for like 10 more years and not run out of clients.
0: Oh, Christ, we're so busy at the moment. Um, I've had to turn off all of our contact forms.
1: So people went into lockdown, got used to it and started calling home improvement?
0: We think that's what happened. So normally the summer would be really quiet for us. Um, So people, obviously you're outside, you're in a park. Like You're not really sitting, sitting at home staring at your walls. And it would pick up when everyone comes back in this time of year. And we've been flat out since beginning of August. We're fully booked for two weeks, the
1: entire team,
0: like seven people.
1: Uh, you do most of the repairs apart from, I think, like bathroom stuff. So we do, a lot of what we do sounds a little bit mundane.
0: So it's all the small things that really make your house a home, but the large contractors won't touch it. So a lot of curtain rails, lights, bathroom cabinets, mirrors, artwork, um, assembling IKEA furniture. Yeah, like bigger construction companies, it's it's not their thing. Whereas we love that you're able to. It really does make someone's house theirs. Say someone hasn't had a bathroom light. For six months and you install it. The level of sheer unbridled joy that they don't have to pee in the dark anymore. like <laughs> This sounds so cheesy but it brings so much joy. <laughs> so look I gave you curtains now your neighbors can't see you naked. <laughs> uh,
1: Why well, you not doing the plumbing? So is it just because it's uh, you need like uh, extra qualification for it I guess?
0: Uh, so in Germany um, our trade is highly regulated which it should be. Um, so you have these like meister professions. So for things like carpentry, electrics, plumbing, with plumbing, you need to have a proper Meister qualification, you need to be a meister. If you don't have that qualification, um, it means that our incredibly expensive liability insurance is completely invalid. There's a lot of people doing this in Berlin that are not insured and definitely don't have the qualification. And that means if it goes wrong, it's on the customer's head. Yeah, I, I just want a plumber, um, but I've been trying for two years now. If anyone's listening that's a plumber, I will hire you. It is a real problem in Germany to find good uh, handy workers, right? It's not as localized as that. So in our, in our generation, um, there's generally, there's a shift from DIY to what's been now coined GSI, which is get someone in. And there's a generational shift away from doing it yourself because people aren't learning the skills. They're a lot more time poor. They wanna spend time with their friends and family. They don't wanna spend the weekend arguing over shelving. And there's this huge um, like surge that people that need these skills, but unfortunately you haven't got that uptake on the opposite side of things. So you've got a very small pool that people can pull from. Um, like you said, it's difficult to get one. It is in most places. To get someone that's good and trusted and insured and all legally above board. I can write an invoice, which apparently is a magical thing that no one does. Yeah, it's it's an industry that really is desperately in need of a bit of a shake-up.
1: How did you find the other workers for you, the other seven people that work in your company?
0: The first time we did a major hiring push was in uh, May, and this was whilst we were still on lockdown before we were going to relaunch, um, I just put it up on our Facebook, and that works really well for us. We're really lucky to have a really wonderful community. But yeah, we got 80 applicants in three days. Uh, So I closed that quite quickly, but we're always looking for people.
1: This is a physically very demanding job after all.
0: We're not on a Bauschella. We're not on a building site. We're not lugging 50 kilos worth of concrete up and down scaffolding. We just need to be able to carry our own tools around with us. So the only jobs that we really send two people to is when it's assembling something massive like an enormous PAX wardrobe or a bed or something. (laughs) One thing that frustrates me is a lot of women are obviously Like, we are naturally smaller people. I say that, like, I'm pretty tall, but (laughs) I always forget that my team are shorter than me. Tools are heavy. They're not very ergonomic. Sometimes it is useful to have a tool that is a bit smaller and a bit lighter, but also isn't pink. I ran into this problem trying to buy safety shoes in, uh, like, steel toe cap boots in Ovi, in the Balmacht, and i i was in there and to be fair the staff in Obie are usually pretty lovely i was just like oh um, do you have these in a size smaller this is all in german and they're like no i said like why would you want that And i'm like I, I need safety shoes they weren't even saying oh i'm sorry these aren't the right size for you they were like why would women need these as if my toes are just like magically protected from things falling on them because i'm a woman And um, all the tools i bought for the workshops uh, the tool belt What's it, what was it called? It had the word man on it in massive letters and it had something else. Everything is so aggressively marketed towards men. Like, you know, the soul stocks, the um, tape measures made out of wood. And you can get little names on them in marks. Um, I'm finding a woman's name on one of those. Like, I have a man's name in Germany and I still can't find my name on it. So I guess you get quite fit on the job as well? It is. Yeah, we don't have to bother with gym memberships. It's um, it's particularly disgusting when we have heat waves because we're carrying my tool bags around like 20, 22 kilos. It's like a big tool rucksack. And then you think about how many times you're running up and down a ladder, usually the customer's on the fifth floor because they always are, um, and there's never a lift. I'm constantly covered in dust and bits of concrete, and like if I get like if I jump in the shower at the end of the day, like parts of the wall will like fall out of my sports bra. <laughs> I was like oh, that's where the screw was. Okay, yeah, it's absolutely disgusting.
1: You mentioned that in Germany, all those professions are certified, like electrics, for example, and stuff like that. So, did you have to get a certificate here in Germany to do that?
0: Yes and no. So our company is a ho- is a housemaster service which means we basically do all of the things that you don't need to be certified for. And then we hire, we subcontract for companies that when we do have to do it. So
1: as far as I understand your business sounds quite successful. It's
0: been my only source of income. So, and I, I don't have like a partner or like a rich family supporting me. So it's a case that if the business doesn't work, I don't pay my rent. But there's no better impetus to work than if you can't pay bills.
1: And that's it for this episode of Crafts and People. Thanks for listening, and I hope you've liked it. The next one is coming out on Saturday in two days. I've already recorded a great new guest for you. And after that, we'll dive straight into Christmas, which, for the people I feature on this show, is a very important time of year. It's still almost impossible to predict how it will be this time in Germany. For one thing, it seems like the famous Christmas markets won't be happening. Definitely not at the usual scale, if at all. So how can small businesses survive this time of year? This is what I'll try to find out. All the best from Berlin and keep well. This show was created by me, Darius Horchuk, and the jingle is courtesy of my good friend Nikolai Shabanov.